Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. In downtown St. Louis, there's an international firm of designers, architects, and planners who've been behind many of the country's beloved destinations. Close to home, there's the St. Louis Aquarium and St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum. That firm, called PGAV, is also behind visitor experiences at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex in Central Florida, the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, and SeaWorld Abu Dhabi, which opened last year. Mike Konzen is chair and CEO of PGAV and managing principal of PGAV Destinations. And Emily Howard is vice president at PGAV Destinations. Both are architects, and both join us today in studio. Emily and Mike, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Thank you. So let's begin with a project that's recent and also far away, and that's SeaWorld Abu Dhabi. Mike, what is it that makes that uh, that project a standout among PGAV's work to date? Well, first of all, it's our first completed commission within the Middle East. And so we've been working on projects there for a while, but this one was a 10-year journey to create it from beginning to end. And uh, it's the largest uh, project project of its kind in that part of the world. It also includes the world's largest aquarium. Mm -hmm. So a lot of superlatives there. Yes, and it cost quite a lot to build, yes? It did, it did. We're not supposed to talk about the official cost, but but needless to say, it's in excess of a billion dollars. And... Last year, uh, last fall, in fact, after its completion, PGAV took more than 200 employees and their family members on a trip to SeaWorld Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. And that's a lot of people on a long and (laughs) quite expensive trip. Mike, did that decision spring from some objective that's tied to the destinations component of PGAV's work? Well, absolutely, although we took our entire company. And so uh, 274 people came on the journey with us. We closed our offices for a week. And uh, the decision really was an easy one because uh, more than 100 people in our company touched that project. Mm. Very few got to see it when it opened in May. Okay. And so that, for, you know, for a designer, the experience of seeing your work completed is is transformative right. and, and crucial to your development. So... Uh, we were there, although we also got to see a lot of other things in both Abu Dhabi and Dubai. It was mm-hmm. a great, great trip. So was an immersive experience also something that you were going for? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's it's part of the challenge and the joy of what we do to be operating in these different cultures. And, and we will continue to do work there, I'm sure. So having our team be well-versed in the, the cultural differences and opportunities is, is part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, Emily... I understand that you were there. Yes. What was it that folks took away from it? And I mean, what were their sort of initial reactions to to seeing it? Well, as Mike said, a lot of folks in the office worked on it all along the way, including me at the very, very beginning. Um, 
But it's one of those things that we worked on it for so long and we heard about it and people actually lived in Abu Dhabi while it was under construction. And so it was almost a um, one of those things that you hear about and you're just, okay, I really want to understand this. We all got to go experience it together, mm-hmm. which I think was a key, that we all went together and explored this amazing thing that we all we all took part in mm-hmm. and saw it developed all along the way. Yeah. So I think um, it's meaningful to do that together, but meaningful to to see that work and to understand the culture too and all the different things that went into that to make it meaningful for Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Now, in a, a broad sense, uh, what you did do with SeaWorld Abu Dhabi, that is you know, the work that you do when you're designing spaces and, and destinations, I mean, how does it reflect uh, sort of the overall work that you all do at PGAV? Emily? Yeah, sure. So we are always thinking about, um, uh, in all of our market sectors, the people that we're designing for, animals, if animals are, are part of that, um, and really trying to keep all of that in perspective, but also tell a big story. Uh, education is always something that is in the back of our minds as we're as we're designing as well. So making an experience that is meaningful, immersive, takes you to a different place, but also tells a story of that place or animal or thing or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Now, U.S. attractions involving water and animals sort of bring it a little bit closer to home. And another marine theme park where PGAV did some notable work is in Florida. Uh, it's with the Discovery Cove mm-hmm. in Orlando. And understand that was the first place that gave visitors the chance to get into the water with dolphins. And then it was an attraction that SeaWorld visitors were asking for. Emily, what sorts of challenges did you have to work through to create something that did not have a precedent? Mm, yeah. Actually, that's one of the fun aspects of, of our work is that we get to uh, work with a lot of animal trainers, study the animals themselves. Um, actually, Discovery Co. was my first project at PGAV back in 1998. Um, and I dove in, pun intended, <laughs> to, the, to that project and really learned a lot about marine mammals. And it, it sparked my love for those animals even more. Mm-hmm. So again, thinking about um, how to design for the animal, make sure that it is Um, we're telling a conservation story, that it's somewhere that is conducive to that animal and a good place for them. Um, And then also working with the people that care for those animals as well. Uh, So that's a big piece of it. But then you have to step back and think, I also want this to be amazing for the guest. Mm -hmm. So uh, the guest has to come in and be able to experience those animals in a way that they never have before. And that is a challenge that that we love to take on and really think about it from multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Mike, before we talk about some of the other attractions that involve water and humans experiencing animals, there has been critique of entertainment that hinges on animals being kept in captivity for the express purpose that is of performance, and that includes circuses. We've actually talked about that on this show. Mm -hmm. And SeaWorld in particular has been the subject of controversy around the treatment of marine animals. How is it that PGAV has approached work with clients whose projects sometimes involve elements that some people may find objectionable? Well, first of all, 
we avoid and have declined to work on projects that we think don't match the profile of education, conservation, uh, helping to create awareness and respect uh, for the natural world and for these animals. And we will only work with clients who, who operate at the very highest level of care with respect to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think that one of, the, one of the challenges and also one of the wonderful things about what we do with this is, you know, the state of the art is continuously improving. And animal habitats have evolved tremendously just within my career. And I think they will continue to do that because society demands this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's absolutely appropriate to do so. Mm-hmm. So so the level of sophistication of animal enrichment, habitat, quality of life, these are all things that are just tremendous aspects of the design criteria for projects mm-hmm. like this. And you said evolved. In, in what way? Well, it, it's, it's clear that uh, exhibits for animals that were done 50 years ago had very little regard for for their welfare. Mm-hmm. And and now there are really very restrictive standards that are requirements that we have to meet with respect to the amount of space the animal has, the amount of enrichment opportunities they have. But we always seek to go well beyond those standards. Okay. And, and so the evolution is something we think we've contributed to mm-hmm. as part of our company. And mm-hmm. and I, I think that 50 years from now, it'll be even more evolved. Right. And, uh, but I think we're, we're, we've made great strides in our practice. Mm-hmm. Then is part of the reason SeaWorld Abu Dhabi is the, is the biggest aquarium in the world, is that associated with some of these evolutionary changes? Yeah, and, and what goes along with SeaWorld Abu Dhabi is one of the world's largest rescue and rehabilitation centers. So, so in that part of the world, there really wasn't a major presence for an animal in the wild that had been injured or had some condition that that caused their life to be endangered. And so part of the mission is to take these animals in and to the greatest extent possible, return them to their natural habitat. Mm -hmm. That can't always be the case, in which case they are taken care of in perpetuity. But but the main goal there is is conservation. Mm -hmm. Now to provide sort of a a, a firmer grasp on the work that your firm does, Mm Are we talking about the design of buildings and attractions, you know, the formation of exhibits? Like, does it include the lighting? Is it all of that or just some parts of it? it? It's, it's all of it and more. You know, I think, I think that we're very fortunate that we get to work from the very inception of an idea, the very basic story, and, and think about with our clients, you know, why is that story relevant? Why is it, why is it important for the visitor to know this story? And then how can we deliver it to the broadest possible audience in a very compelling way? Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Mike Konzen, who is chair and CEO of PGAV and managing principal of PGAV Destinations. PGAV is a design and architecture firm that is based here in St. Louis, but works all over the world. And Emily Howard is also joining us. She's the vice president of PGAV Destinations. So let's also turn our attention to uh, somewhere that is closer to home, but in a different state. And we talked about the Georgia Aquarium mm-hmm. um, in Atlanta in our introduction. And at the time it was built, that was the biggest aquarium ever built. And I understand that there's a wonderful story about how the animals arrived there. Emily, share that with us. Sure, yeah. Um, so yes, at the time it was the, the largest aquarium in the world. 
and it was home to uh, some whale sharks. And those whale sharks were coming in actually via UPS. So <laughs> they, and you might think, boy, that's odd, but that's, you know, when you want to ship something big, they you've got to fly them there. And then uh, they came to the airport and got onto a truck and went down the uh, the highway in Atlanta at about 2 a.m. And it was not to be missed. I was there and saw them drive in and then be lifted into their new home. And it was it was amazing. So yeah, <laughs> a lot of good stories with that one. Right. Now, aquariums also built here. The St. Louis Aquarium is a, a recent example and that opened uh, in December of 2019. How is it that the design of that aquarium uh, reflects where it's located, where it's built? Yeah, so the the, the project's client, uh, which was Bob and Steve O'Loughlin here in St. Louis, LHM, you know, first of all, had undertaken the heroic, in my opinion, uh, reinvestment in Union Station, which is such an amazing landmark within our community. And, and you know, it had struggled for many years. And so... When Bob came to us, he said, I want this aquarium to be unique. I want it to be expressive of St. Louis. I want it to be expressive of Union Station. And so really, although you will find animals displayed there from around the world, all of our major design cues were about delivering that sense of how how the river systems within North America connect to the greater oceans, how St. Louis and Union Station in particular became this point of departure. And so there's even a show, as you may know, which which helps tell that story. And so, you know, St. Louis, when Union Station was in its heyday, was connected to the world via that. So mm-hmm. now the aquarium connects us in a different way. Mm-hmm. So people have been hearing about the aquarium for a long time, mm-hmm. as far back as 2019. But PGAV is not a household name. There are probably a lot of people who don't know that it was your firm based here in St. Louis that built that. What is the Cliffs Notes version uh, of the the story of how the company got started, Mike? Yeah. So so it, by a lot of like a lot of things that happened by happenstance, uh, we were an architectural firm that was founded and actually located in the Central West End here back in 1965. And early on in our our, uh, trajectory, operating as an architectural firm, we had the opportunity to work with Anheuser-Busch in the early days of creating what became known as Busch Gardens. And so Mm -hmm. Busch Gardens was a a promotional attraction that was created by by Anheuser-Busch and just I'll say through sheer luck, we yeah. learned we learned how to enter the attractions business, and and really, it's been an evolution from that time on. Mm-hmm. Emily, you said that you are not from St. Louis. Is part of the reason you're here because of PGAV and the work? Yes, yeah? absolutely. Yeah, I, I came here for school. I went to Washington University, um, but stayed, found my home at PGAV, and have not left. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's so now St. Louis is home, but yeah. I'm originally from Illinois. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do people typically react when they hear that a, a firm like yours that is doing work in so many different places is headquartered in Missouri? You know, I don't know if people are, are shocked or not. I mean, to be honest, St. Louis is kind of in the middle of everything, uh, the whole country, right? So it's easy to get places. I always say, hey, I, you know, I can hop on a flight and be there to talk to you at a moment's notice. So just let me know. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Um but I think also it, it shows our Midwestern roots. 
and our Midwestern kind of thinking, which I'm proud of. And I, I think that that kind of attitude permeates through all of what we do. And so I don't know if it's surprising, yeah. um, but I think it is part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Well, and Mike, you've made it a point to be in downtown St. Louis. You could be many other places. Why downtown? There's a lot that goes with that. I mean, downtown is the heart of our region. And there's no question that as downtown as downtown goes, so goes our region. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've been down, down there since the early 70s. And I think that that commitment gets renewed as we've reconsidered where we are and we keep coming back to this. And, and lately, we've actually redoubled our commitment. We're very involved with Greater St. Louis, Inc. and all the fantastic work that they are doing downtown. But it, but it, it is a commitment that we feel like is crucial for the community, and and our our being there has meaning, mm-hmm. and so that's why we choose it. Yeah. Let's talk uh, again about PGAV projects, and something that PGAV and St. Louis on the Air have in common is a commitment to storytelling, which has been mentioned a couple of times already. Can you talk about how storytelling is part of the work that you're currently undertaking with the major? multi-year renovation of the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C.? Sure. Well, so Air and Space has been one of my favorite museums for a very long time, and, and and it is an iconic museum. I mean, it tells the story of aviation and space history in a way that almost no museum in the world does, a massive, fantastic collection. And the we were fortunate to be involved in a project that started a few years back to really completely redo it inside and out. Mm-hmm. And and what we learned along the way is, is that their collection, uh, like so many museums, has the capacity to tell stories well beyond the stories that they had been telling. And so uh, a story like, like that of uh, Jackie Cochran, who was the the first woman to, to break the sound barrier in an airplane and and set so many records. And, you know, she represents a constituency of aviators who whose story wasn't really told. Mm-hmm. And so part of the goal of that project was to bring that to the forefront mm-hmm. and tell a very comprehensive, inclusive story using one of the world's greatest collections. I mean, what else, what else can you like about that? Uh-huh. Right? And how is it that storytelling is done? <laughs> well, there's a lot of ways and there's a lot of art and science to it both. I mean, we know that stories are one of the best ways to communicate and have information stick. And so, you know, there's a lot of neuroscience and research that we've delved into that talk about the fact that it engages multiple parts of your brain. And, And we have people whose job it is to delve into stories, do the research, tell the story, write the narrative, and then translate that into built form. You know, our architecture is shaped by story more, far more than it is any architectural tradition. Mm-hmm. Building in a different way. Mm-hmm. Now, to that point, Emily, you know, how is it uh, that your business is evolving in terms of designing spaces and utilizing technologies? Um, a lot of clients actually do challenge us to include technology. Um, and you know, we take that on. I think it's another way to connect with people. Um, we're so used to it now. You know, we everybody has technology with them constantly. So 
I think the trick is, and that's what we keep trying to do, is bridge that gap. Like, how do you use it in a unique way? How do we make technology help us or educate us or make us care more, take that conservation message to the next level, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I know one challenge at uh, St. Louis Aquarium, for instance, was they definitely wanted to use technology. And so not only do we tell stories about connection that Mike referred to earlier, but there are different ways to engage throughout the whole experience with technology to dive deeper and learn more. Mm-hmm. So I love that aspect of it. And specifically, how the technology has been used. Can you uh, mm-hmm. maybe provide an example from uh, what is happening with the Kennedy Space Center, the visitor center in Cape Canaveral? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, there we use a lot of uh, technology to, you can play a game, for instance, um, and you connect in different ways to learn different things about the astronauts or how a space shuttle launches, um, how they land, et cetera. And so there's a lot of ways to use your phone to tap into that or just the the technology um, in an interface. Uh, one of my favorites at, at Kennedy is a uh, an interface where you can spin the space shuttle around and look at different aspects and parts of it and understand even how the fuel lines work, um, what an ET and SRB are, all these different really um, nerdy things that are super <laughs> awesome. that are super fun to learn. Yeah, are there any elements that are more analog that do marry technology with? You know that storytelling, Mike? Oh, yeah. Well, at, at the Spatial Atlantis, the project Emily's describing, you know, one of the things that we thought would be wonderful would be to talk about how to, how the shuttles landed because, you know, they're an unpowered glider at that point in time. So they're coming to Earth more or less plummeting okay, down. Right. <laughs> and, and they're moving fast, although they always manage to land it just right. But uh, so we, we used the idea of a slide that, both kids and grown-ups can go down to have you understand the steep level of incline oh. that the reentry occurs on, and and along the way, tell that story so that you understand this is, this is a not for the faint of heart, and it's also for very skilled pilots. Right, right. Yeah. It sounds both terrifying and exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> Adding a thrill and a surprise is always a good idea. Yeah. Right. So PGAV is also working on something again closer to home here with the Missouri History Museum. And it's updated 1904 World's Fair exhibit, and that will open in late April. What is your work on that exhibit? So this is a fantastic project, partly because I love St. Louis history. And and the, the World's Fair exhibit is, is something that the Missouri History Museum will always have because it was built using funds from the fair. And so... Uh, the exhibit was replacing the, an exhibit that was there, but the but the staff at the museum, and they have a very talented staff, uh, had this vision of, of a series of things that would make this exhibit unique, including a very large model. I mean, we're talking about 27 feet by 17 feet wide model of the fair. And so they, they challenged us to see how this could be recreated when the documentation of the buildings and structures and site of the fair were really just primarily photographs. Mm-hmm. And so our team took that and, and created a three-dimensional version of the entire thing with our pretty sophisticated computer modeling software and then 3D printed the entire model and now it'll be on display. And we're going to actually projection map onto that model stories about the fair. So it'll be fascinating. 
How big is the printer? <laughs> so it's a bunch of parts, not one big printer. <laughs> but uh, but some of the buildings are remarkably large, and I, I hope everyone does get to see it because you'll be amazed at the extent of the fair, the number mm. of buildings. These buildings were themed architecture that was created for a fair that was 120 years ago. Right, right. So it's pretty fascinating. Emily and Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you. Today's episode was produced by our executive producer, Alex Hoyer. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.